The 14th century English mystic Julian of Norwich has been talked about by people in many different ways, but first and foremost, she's the author of an extraordinary text, The Revelations, which is the earliest known text authored by a woman in English. Personally, she has been a friend and companion in my Christian life for over 30 years. I'm the Reverend David Simmons, Episcopal priest and oblate in the Order of Julian of Norwich. Thank you for joining me as we read and pray through the works of this extraordinary woman of faith and explore what she has to teach us about God's love. Hello there, and welcome to Love Was His Meaning, Reading and Praying with Julian of Norwich, and we are up to chapter 58. Before we get into Julian, we'll do the little office, which is linked in the description. If I say, surely the darkness will cover me, and the light around me turn to night, darkness is not night to you, O Lord. The night is as bright as the day. Darkness and light to you are both alike. Let's say together Psalm 84. How dear to me is your dwelling, O Lord of hosts! My soul has a desire and longing for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh rejoice in the living God. The sparrow has found her a house, and the swallow a nest where she may lay her young. By the side of your altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God. Happy are they who dwell in your house. They will always be praising you. Happy are the people whose strength is in you whose hearts are set on the pilgrim's way. Those who go through the desolate valley will find it a place of springs, for the early rains have covered it with pools of water. They will climb from height to height, and the God of gods will reveal himself in Zion. Lord God of hosts, hear my prayer. Hearken, O God of Jacob. Behold our defender, O God, and look upon the face of your anointed. For one day in your courts is better than a thousand in my own room, and to stand at the threshold of the house of my God, than to dwell in the tents of the wicked. For the Lord God is both sun and shield. He will give grace and glory. No good thing will the Lord withhold from those who walk with integrity. O Lord of hosts, happy are they who put their trust in you. Glory to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. Let us pray together the prayer of Julian. God of your goodness, give me yourself. For you are enough to me, and I can ask nothing that is less that can be full honor to you. And if I ask anything that is less, I shall always be in want, for only in you have I all. Amen. Well, here we are, picking up in chapter 58. God, the blessed Trinity, who is everlasting existence, just as he is endless from without beginning, just so was it in his endless purpose to create mankind. This fair human nature was first assigned to his own son, the second person, and when he wished, by full accord of the Trinity, he created us all at once, and in our creation he knit us and wanted us to himself. By this wanting we are kept as pure and as noble as we were created. By the virtue of the same precious wanting, we love our Maker and delight him, praising him and thanking him and endlessly rejoicing in him. And this wanting is the deed that is done constantly in every soul that shall be saved, which is the divine will in the soul mentioned before. Thus in our creation, God all power is our natural father, 
and God all wisdom is our natural mother, with the love and the goodness of the Holy Spirit, who is all one God, one Lord. And in the knitting and in the wanting, he is our most true spouse, and we are his beloved wife and his fair maiden. With this wife he is never displeased, for he says, I love thee, and thou lovest me, and our love shall never be separated in two. I beheld the action of all the blessed trinity. In that sight I saw and understood the, these three aspects, the aspect of the fatherhood, the aspect of the motherhood, and the aspect of the lordhood in one God. In our Father Almighty we have our protection and our bliss as regards our natural essence, which is ours by our creation from without beginning. And in the second person, in understanding and wisdom, we have our protection as regards our fleshiness, our redeeming and our saving, for he is our mother, brother, and savior. And in our good Lord, the Holy Spirit, we have our rewarding and our recompense for our living and our trouble, endlessly surpassing all that we desire in his amazing courtesy from his high plenteous grace. For all our life is in three. In the first we have our being, and in the second we have our growing, and in the third we have our completing. The first is nature, the second is mercy, the third is grace. As for the first, I saw and understood that the high power of the Trinity is our Father, and the deep wisdom of the Trinity is our Mother, and the great love of the Trinity is our Lord, and all this we have in our human nature and in our essential creation. And furthermore, I saw that the second person, who is our Mother, in essence, that same dear worthy person has become our Mother in flesh, because we are twofold in God's creation, that is to say, essential and fleshy. Our essence is the higher part, which we have in our Father, God Almighty, and the second person, the Trinity, is our mother in human nature, in our essential creation. In him we are grounded and rooted, and he is our mother in mercy by ticking on our fleshiness. And thus, does, thus our mother does for us various kinds of deeds, in whom our parts are kept unseparated. For in our mother Christ we benefit and grow, and in mercy he redeems and restores us, and by the virtue of his passion and his death and resurrection, he wons us to our essence. In this way, our mother works in mercy to all his children who are submissive and obedient to him. And grace works with mercy, and namely in two aspects, as it was shown, which working belongs to the third person, the Holy Spirit. He works rewarding and giving. Rewarding is a great gift of faith, which the Lord gives to him who has labored, and giving is a gracious deed, by which he does freely of grace, fulfilling and surpassing all that is deserved by creatures. Thus in our Father, God Almighty, we have our being, and in our Mother of Mercy we have our redeeming and restoring, in whom our parts are wanted and all made complete man. And by the rewards and gifts of grace from the Holy Spirit we are fulfilled. And our essence is in our Father, God Almighty, and our essence is in our Mother, God All-Wisdom, and our essence is in our Lord, the Holy Spirit, God, all goodness. For our essence is total in each person of the Trinity, which is one God. But our fleshiness is only in the second person, Christ Jesus, in whom is the Father and the Holy Spirit. And in him and by him we are mightily taken out of hell and out of the misery on earth and honorably brought up into heaven and full blissfully wanted to our essence, increased in riches and nobility by all the virtue of Christ, and by the grace and action of the Holy Spirit. All right, so starting from the beginning here, 
Oh, the first part of the chapter, um, God or, or Julian talks about our creation and the endless purpose of creating mankind. So for Julian, Julian is saying that we were always intended to be created, that we were part of the plan from the very beginning. And that uh, yeah, there's, there's an almost confusing thing here that she says, and when he wished by full accord of the Trinity, he created us all at once. Well, I mean, what does that mean? Obviously, we weren't created all at once. We're born and in different places. What uh, Julia is talking about here is the as the creation of humanity as a um, as part of the second part of the Trinity. So, part of what she's always talking about is this wanting between humanity and the second part of the Trinity. Um, and so that that human that human part, what what we are as humans is actually a reflection of this pre or this this created human part of the second part of the trinity. I know this this gets confusing. This is all getting into some heavy trinitarian theology, but I think what she's talking about is the value of humanity. Uh, quite often in medieval thought and often in modern uh, especially, especially on kind of the evangelical side of the church uh, or even in the Catholic side of the church, there's this idea of humans almost being worthless because of what's happened. And she's like, no, no, hum human humanity is very good. We are, we are part of what the nature is assigned to the sun. Now you have, so you, in classical Christian theology and Trinitarian theology, the second part of the Trinity has two natures, has the, um, the God nature and the human nature. Um, and what we're talking about here is the human nature. So the God part of the nature is pre-existent and exists with God the Father and God the Holy Spirit throughout time. The human part of that that nature is in some ways the first creation um, and we are simply reflections of that and participants in that second part of, of that first act of creation. Christ is, as Frederick Roden puts it, Christ is the prototype. So let's move on from that. We're, we're, it's a little bit confusing here, but um, God is our creation, God all power is our natural father, and God all wisdom is our natural mother. Now here, this is where we get to the real meat of this. Um, in chapter 58, we're starting a new thought. Uh, as what uh, Watkins and Jenkins uh, says, uh, points out here, every chapter since chapter 49 has begun with and. So, and God does this. And our G Lord Jesus Christ does this, but here we start with God, the Blessed Trinity. So there's a, um, a, a, a an exclamation point or a period at the end of chapter fifty-seven, and now we're beginning something new. And what is it that we're we're working on now? Well, we're working on this this idea of God as Mother, uh, which is not something that Julian comes up with. So I'm going to read a little se section from um, John Julian here back in the appendix. Uh, this uh, idea of God as mother is a venerable tradition supported by Adam of, I'm not going to get all these names right, I'm going to try them though, Adam of Persingi, uh, Aelred, Albert the Great, Anselm, Aquinas, Augustine, Bernie of Cluny, Bonaventure, Bridget of Sweden, Catherine of Siena, Clement of Alexandria, Dante, William Fleet, Gilbert of Hoyland, uh, Gurick of Igni, Guigo II the Carthusian, Highland of Freudmont, Isaac of Stella, Marjorie Kemp, Peter Lombard, Ludolf of Saxony, Marguerite of Oint, Mechtild of Magdeburg, 
Richard Rolla, William of St. Theory, the Anchoring Vis, and the Stimulus Amorous and Holy Scripture itself. So Julian is not definitely not the first person to come up with using female imagery of God. You find it all the way back to Holy Scripture as um, Jesus is saying, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how often I have looked down upon you as a uh, wanted to gather to you to me as a mother hen gathers her, her chicks under her wings. I mean, this, this idea of feminine imagery for God is very old and has a long pedigree, but being filtered through the lens of a incredibly patriarchal church, uh, which the church has been, you know, the, especially the Western church has been within a patriarchal culture uh, for, for all of its existence. That, that idea of the feminine side of God has certainly been something that has been de-emphasized throughout our history. And so one of the things that uh, Julian is, is one of our strongest witnesses for that. Um, one of the most uh, interesting witnesses. So we get into this whole thing about, um, and, and she should, the, the, one of the wonderful things about Julian is she refuses to get caught in any metaphor. Um, so this is one of the problems with talking about the Trinity is we can talk about God, the father and God is like a father, but God is not a father, you know, and you, you can't overextend the metaphor. Uh, she starts using different metaphors here, talking about, um, uh, talking about, um, Jesus, Jesus, he is our mother. I, I like the way she, she mixes her pronouns with that. So even when she's talking, because Jesus historically is incarnated as, as male, she still uses the he pronouns, even with feminine, um, imagery. And in some ways that, that sets up an interesting contrast. He is our mother, brother, and savior. So three very different images of who Jesus is given, being given to us there in rapid fire. Um, and the point is, is she's playing around with these images in her, in her head, these different metaphors, and we shouldn't get caught on any one particular metaphor either. Yes, there is a, uh, the traditional uh, aspiration of God, the father, God, the son, God, the Holy spirit that we still use in the baptismal formula, but we can't overextend those metaphors. God is not a father. God is like a father. Um, and uh, he uses a couple, she uses a couple more different things here. We are his beloved wife and his fair maiden. Okay. So this goes back later on in this chapter. She talks about his amazing courtesy from his high plenteous grace. So we've talked uh, at other times about the fact that she's really inspired by kind of the courteous love tradition that comes from uh, the French literature at the time. And, and so this high courtesy, his beloved wife and his, we are his beloved wife and his fair maiden. Um, we are that the the knight errant's um, uh, true love, you know, locked in the castle, or however you want to think about that in in that romantic tradition, uh, she's using some of that imagery here too, along with mother and brother and savior. She's trying to keep us from getting ourselves locked. Uh, she's she's trying to increase the use of feminine imagery, but she's also trying to keep us from getting locked into any one of those metaphors in a way that will detract from the mystery that is God. Uh, because God is not like any of that. The way that she's looking at this, because you remember at the beginning of the chapter, she's talking about how we're all created uh, as uh, as reflections of this um, second part of the Trinity. Uh, well, the, the motherhood and the fatherhood, when she talks about um, uh, us, um, what she wants to say as I'm going to just read from John Julian again here, motherhood Julian would say is not a characteristic of womankind that Christ shares, but a characteristic of Christ that women share. 
and she declares that our natural responsibility to father and motherhood has its origin in the fatherhood and motherhood of God, and that responsibility is met by loving the father-slash-mother God. So it's not that God is a father, it's that there is everything that we consider to be a father, a mother, a spouse, a brother, a savior, all of those images are there in God, and when we take on aspects of that as human beings, we are reflecting that part of God. So God is not male and God is not female. God reflects everything that we have within gender, whether we're talking about male or female or non-binary or however we're looking at that. All of that is reflected, is a reflection of the fullness that is there in the humanity of the second person of the Trinity. That's what Julian is trying to get to here. Um, and Everything in this, she's putting everything in this Trinitarian format, threes, one, two, three. Um, our life is in three. We have our being, and when we have our growing, and we have our completing, and the first is nature, and the second is mercy, and the third is grace. It's almost like a mantra that she's coming back to us and, and saying, don't you see that we as human beings are a reflection of this Trinity, the Trinity, we live in the Trinity, and the Trinity lives in us. Um, our essence, she says, in total, in each person of the Trinity, which is one God. But at the end, she's clear to come back and say, but our fleshiness is only in the second person. So once again, she's talking about our essence versus our fleshiness, um, which, which can be problematic uh, because if you talk about too much about duality, that comes up against a lot of the things about that we know about like from, from modern psychology that, you know, chemical changes in the brain can change a person's personality or physical injury to the brain can change the, the, who that person's personality is. But she's saying that there's an essence of us. I'd say probably if I was having this conversation with her, she would say there's something beyond that psychology. There's something beyond that personality. And that is the essence that is always wanted to God that is never touched, that never changes. So our essence is wanted with God, but our with with the Trinity. But our fleshiness, uh, the the fleshness, which is part of who we are, she's not being dualistic in that terms of you know, the essence is who we really are and the fleshiness is who we aren't. They're they're integral parts of who we are, but that fleshiness is only in the second person because it's only the second person of the Trinity that takes on um, the fleshiness of humanity in the person of Jesus Christ. Um. So some heady um, reflection there. And jumping into this, um, uh, you know, we'll hear more about God as mother as we move on. This is one of, like I said earlier, not a new insight for Julian, but she's one of the mystics that really develops this idea of God as mother out uh, much further than a lot of the other writers of the time. Let's join together in the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. 
I bid your prayers and intercessions at this time. I specifically ask your prayers for the people of Ukraine and also for the people of Waukesha. As we record this um, um, episode, we are just past the anniversary of our uh, Waukesha parade tragedy and heading towards Sunday, which is uh, the, the first Christmas parade since that time. So please keep us in your prayers. And I bid your prayers and intercessions at this time. Let's pray the Lord's Prayer together. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Save us from the time of trial and deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. Let us pray. Most holy Lord, the ground of our beseeching, who through your servant St. Julian revealed the wonder of your love, grant that as we are created in your nature and restored by your grace, our wills may be so made one with yours that we may come to see you face to face and gaze on you forever, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Thank you for joining me for Love Was His Meeting today. Uh, we'll be back next Thursday. Um, until then, take care of yourselves and God bless. Thank you for joining me for Love Was His Meaning today. This podcast is generally available once a week on Thursday. The text of Julian's Revelations used in this podcast is The Complete Julian by Father John Julian Swanson OJN and is used by permission of the Order of Julian of Norwich. The theme music is Julian of Norwich by Bombadil and is used under license.